Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God season guys you guys loving it I am I really am uh, this is so this is obviously our third Christmas as a church and we've been celebrating Advent since the beginning and man I'm just I'm learning how to observe it it's a process and maybe if it's your first time ever even hearing about Advent I just I just encourage you to press on and I mean God will really speak to you and use the season to Rather than it being about presence under a tree, like his presence with us, I love how the English language is just has that wordplay because <laughs> there's such a dichotomy between the presence under a tree and then Jesus' presence being with us. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about um, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. Um, and so I'm just going to, I want to share with you, some of you have, I've been asking like around, you know, what is, what is Advent? Do you know what Advent is? And even though we've been doing it for a few years, a lot of you guys still don't know what Advent is. So I'm just going to tell you. So Advent is, there are two Advents in the story um, of history. The first Advent is the coming of Jesus at his birth, which is what we celebrate now. And the second Advent is his coming again. And so what we do in Advent is we acknowledge that Jesus came, and then we recognize that he's coming again. And we live in a very odd tension as Christians because we are constantly faced with there is hope, there is joy, but then I also suffer, and I have fear, and anxiety, and how does God reconcile these things in my life, and just recognizing what's happened already, and what's coming. So today, I, I, I'm constantly, when I prep messages, like, I feel this desire to, like, say something really profound, and I think that's, like, a, I don't know, a temptation for Western preachers, is to, because, like, everyone's heard the stuff, you know, and it's like, you got to come up with something new. And so I just feel today like I'm just supposed to tell you the simple truth that Jesus has come to be with you. And he loves you so much. 
I mean, the whole story of the world was written so that he was, it's a story of him pursuing you and have, having a desire and a heart that he would come and go to the lowest place on earth, becoming a human, and not just becoming a human, but actually dying in, in flesh. And if you think about it, like Jesus, even he comes back again and he goes into Thomas and he shows him his hands and he still has scars in his hands. I just, there's, we, we constantly bear the scars of our lives and they're not supposed to go away. And so the tension that we live in, it's okay. I just want to give you peace to, to be yourself and just allow God to interact with your story today. Um, and so I, I'm, I want to encourage you to be vulnerable as I preach. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I've been very challenged lately. Just this idea that we're a church. And when I preach a message, it's not me preaching to you. It's us preaching together. That's, this, is a, this isn't an organization. This is a church. So the things that are coming out today are us together. And so we, I want to revere Jesus together today. I don't want it to just be me talking to you about some idea or concept. This is a person, right? This is actually a person. We're talking about the vir- a virgin and being impregnated by God. Like, that's just strange stuff, guys. Like, you are all very odd people to believe such a weird thing, right? But we do. Like, we're, we're a select few people in the world that believe this as truth. And it's like, you're odd, I'm odd, and it's okay. Let's be odd together today, right, as we just kind of celebrate so I don't get to preach a ton um, because I have a toddler, um, I have a lot of responsibilities here, and I'm in seminary, and I get to experience things a little bit differently, though. Uh, recently, I, I did this thing for a project for school where I went to, I visited up to about 10 times, I think, different churches in our area, uh, and I specifically went to all African-American churches and one diverse church, and I just wanted to learn from them and say, okay, what are you doing? How are you reaching your community? I want to just sit and see. And I'm also very, God's diversifying this church very rapidly, and so it's constantly, we have to be willing to change, to, you know, accept the expressions that come in here. So I went to these churches, and guys, I had some very fun experiences, and I don't have time to share all of them, but they I mean, I visited one church that we did something called, we did an outreach project called the SWAT Team, and it, the acronym is for Soul Winning Attack Team, and we went out and we attacked some souls, you know. It was for real. It was wild, and there were experiences like that. There were really great ones, um, but there was, an, there was this kind of overwhelming theme that I noticed in African-American churches specifically, is that there is such reverence for God. Like, there is such reverence that, that God is seated on high and that I am a man and I need him. And, like, constantly I would go to prayer meetings and there was just constantly, like, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just, like, there was anointing oil. There was, I mean, there was, there was stuff that, for me, and what is, has been a predominantly white expression of church my entire life, had, was, was really, like, eye-opening. And so what I want to do today as a community is to, is to really try to revere him because this really is something very sacred. It's not, it's not this pedestrian thing. It's on the side. This is something that actually has influence over our lives. So as I, I want to go ahead and pray for us and ask that you would pray with me and that we would just really put Jesus in the place that he 
belong. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that your presence is with us. Emmanuel, Jesus, you're not just seated in a room off to the side or in one compartment of our lives. You infiltrate every square inch of our existence. We invite you. God, many of us would say you're, you're present in church. But God, what, hap- what happens to the other times? What happens to when I'm walking my dog or playing with my child, in an argument with someone? What happens when I get frustrated or when, when we, we lose an unborn child or, or when sickness comes and plagues us? God, where are you in those moments? God, we need you. The reality is that you're there as much as you are in this place. So God, today, we, we as a church right now, we revere you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come and that it, as it is finished, as you sit on that cross, you breathe your last breath, and we receive life and life abundant. And so we accept more and more of your presence, not just this one little foretaste, but God, the full amount rushing in like a waterfall, and we sit and we receive. God, let us, let us taste and see your good. Your presence is with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, Bill, if you want to pull up 1 Corinthians, I want to read this to you. And this is language that Paul uses a lot when he talks about the gospel. He, he constantly calls it a mystery. And I think a lot of times we don't actually see the gospel as mysterious. It's like we kind of have to understand it and be able to put it in our box, and it works. I can explain it really well to a person, and then they can believe that idea. But the gospel is super mysterious, and it really does, like, if you're really trying to logic it, it doesn't make sense. And honestly, we don't want it to make sense. If I'm just being real with you, we don't want it to make complete sense since because at that point then you can you can box God in. I don't want my God to be able to be boxed in. Like I want him to be someone that I can't really understand fully, but I have faith in despite me not understanding. And if you can if you can understand the God in your mind, then he's not actually God. So the God of of Israel, the God of the church is just so mysterious. So look at the way that he that he describes him. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So we have this God who is 100% God, 100% man, and the two just, somehow they just, they come together, and I can't explain it to you, I'm just telling you that's true, that they come together. So the way, for me, I envision it in my head, I love, I love um, the mountains, I love camping, backpacking, so there's something really mysterious when you're standing on top of a mountain, when you get really high up, you're kind of caught between the clouds, and especially if it's foggy in the mornings, and the, and the fog, and so you're kind of in this random spot where you can look out, and you can't actually see the ground, but you can see just like these little islands of mountains, just like tips of mountains. 
And it's such a beautiful thing. And, I, and there's this wide gap that exists between the place you're standing and that place. And you don't, you don't really see how, it, how you get there, but it's there. And, and it's, it's underneath, obviously, the, the fog. But there's, this gap is the thing that, for me, in my mind, I see God filling that gap. So this is a, I want to read to you a quote. This is an Advent devotional that I've been reading uh, by A.W. Tozer. I think he's one of the wisest Christian minds to ever live. Just personally, I, he's, he's super profound, but it's such simple truth. And so this is the way that he words it. For in the universe, there are really only two things, God and not God, that which is God and that which is not God. And all that is not God was made by God, and God was made by none. So we have God and not God, and the gulf that exists between God and not God, that is between the creator and the creature, between the being we call God and all other beings, is a great and vast and yawning gulf. How God could bridge this and how God could join the creator to the creature constitutes one of the most profoundest and darkest mysteries to which human thought can ever give itself. So the question becomes... How does God fill? How does God fill a void that's impossible to fill? Like, how can God? I mean, if you think about it, like there's there's us and there's God. There's perfect. There's not perfect. Like, all of our lives, we can testify, my life is not perfect. Like, and and I'm talking about pre-Christ. Like, I don't have anything. All I all I have is emptiness. All I have is frustration. And then then you see, kind of off in the distance on that mountain, it's like, oh, there's. There's perfect joy, perfect love. Like, how do those things unite? And at first glance, you would think that they couldn't. So, this, this idea of Emmanuel, it's God, that means God with us, and we'll read in Isaiah 7 today, what, uh, and we'll get a better grip on it. But it's God with us. And so I want to think about that preposition, with. It's one of the most important prepositions in all Scripture to me. With us. It's not God to us. It's God actually with us. You see, in, in Genesis 3.8, we see that, that God is actually walking with Adam and Eve. Right? It says he's walking with them in the cool of the day. And then Adam and Eve sin, and from that point on, we have God, we have God to us. So we have, uh, in theology, it's called theophanies. So there's these moments where God enters in to man. And it's usually like this little glimpse, like Moses, he has, this, has the glory of God pass by, and it's where God enters in, and the mountains come together. It's, it's a beautiful moment, but then it passes, and then it's no longer there anymore. The burning bush is the same thing, or Abraham when the strangers come to him. And so that's how scripture is full. The Old Testament is full of these. God's coming, oh, but then he's gone. And so he's coming to us. But the idea that God would actually come and live with us again that is fascinating. And that's something that people in the Old Testament would have longed for. And so what I want to encourage us today is to say that God wants to actually be with us in every part of our lives. He doesn't want just you on Sunday morning. He doesn't want just you in a moment of prayer. He wants you every moment of every day. That, and that's the only way. There's not another way. It's like if you want God, you get God everywhere. You don't just get pick and choose. I want him here. I want him there. No, he's everywhere. And this is a new this is a new day. Like this isn't this isn't the day of Ahaz that we're going to read about. This is the day 
of Jesus. And he is present with me in this moment as I preach. He's with you as you listen, and he's with you as you go from here. So let's open up today to Isaiah chapter 7. This is the, this is the prophecy that we read about from Matthew 1 earlier. So in Matthew 1, it, it, it's the fulfillment. Jesus is, is born. And um, so I'm going to give you some context here. I mean, we're going to read 16 verses, uh, and we're going to kind of chop it up as we go so that we can better understand. Usually the only thing in Isaiah 7 that anybody knows about is, Behold, a, a, you know, a virgin will give birth to a son, and he'll be named Emmanuel. And all we just, we just believe, okay, that's Jesus, and that's all we really hear about. And so what I want to do is I want to explain to you the whole context of this story so we can have a grip on what does it actually mean for our lives. So let's start in, in, verse, in verse 1, and we'll chop it up a, a few different times, and I'll explain. I'm going to read from, from here. We'll just read behind me. So now it, now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it. But he could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying the Arameans have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. Okay, so um, for the sake of understanding this, I'm going to kind of divide you guys up. So we have really three players here. So there's Aram, there's Ephraim, and then there's Judah. Okay, so this section here, and you guys are going to be Aram. Is that cool? All right, can everyone say Aram? Mm, guys, good. Guys are strong, strong and mighty team. Okay, so this will be Ephraim. You can say Ephraim, Ephraim. Okay, and, and then what? And this will be Judah over here. You say Judah. 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 You guys are the chosen ones. Good for you. Really nice. Appreciate that. We need an Ahaz over here, by the way. The king. Anybody want to volu volunteer as king? Anybody want to volunteer? I feel like I feel like Jason needs to be king. Jason, I think you're going, to be, you're going to be King Ahaz for me. You're good. At, at some point he does, for sure. I don't know when, but at some point he dies. Um, okay, so, so we have Aram over here. We have Ephraim here. We have Judah here. And wonderful King Ahaz. Love you, King Ahaz. Okay, now, there is a lot of war happening in Israel right now. And... There is a really large, you guys are all little, little peanuts compared to the big boys, all right? And the big boys are going to be the children's ministry, all right? This is Assyria, all right? And I want you to imagine that all the children are waiting at the doors with glitter paint and pool noodles <laughs> ready to attack. It's terrifying. Every parent's nightmare. <laughs> so, they're, so they're waiting at the door to attack. And so you guys, none of you can handle them on your own. Okay? Trust me. You can't. Okay? I know the king of Assyria. You can't handle it. So we have, so what happens is that people start to panic and they start to say, okay, we're going to have to start making alliances. Okay? So Aram and Ephraim join together. Okay? So you guys are now teaming up. But Ephraim and Judah, Ephraim's also Israel when they split. So 
we have Ephraim and Judah, and they have a troubled past. And they split up at some point. It's kind of like um, Gilmore Girls or, you know, Days of Our Lives. It's really sloppy and messy. So you guys have a history. So you guys don't really want to make an alliance with them. And so in typical fashion, you decide, hey, let's just attack them. So now all of you are going to make war against Judah. And so Judah has now pretty much got the whole world against them. And so the scriptures say that they began to shake like trees. So for the sake of Aram and Ephraim and me, would you guys just shake like trees? That's good. Thank you for doing that. We, we really appreciated that. Aram and Ephraim and Isaiah, we appreciate it. So, okay, and then for the sake of mediation, I will be, I will be Isaiah. You know, it's whatever. All right, now let's keep going. Does everybody feel they got a grip on what's happening? Okay. Verse 3. So then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Sheer Jeshub. I'm having a son soon. I'm not calling him Sheer Jeshub. At the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, take care and be calm and have no fear and do not be faint-hearted. Because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands on account of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has planned evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrorize it, and make for ourselves a breach in its walls, and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. And thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Now within another 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered, so that it is no longer a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you will not believe, you surely shall not last. So essentially what he does is he says, Ahaz, you ready? Okay. Uh, it's fair. It's fair. It's that's good. <laughs> Aram and Ephraim forgive you. It's good. So what we have is God's, God says through a Isaiah to Ahaz, I will protect your people. Like, you don't worry. It says, take care. You know, don't be anxious. Don't be faint-hearted. I will take care of your people. The only thing I need from you is for you to actually believe that I will do it. And if, I, if you believe, then it will happen for your people. So check out what Ahaz says. Verse 10. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. So really, Ahaz has two options. He's got option A, which is you believe the Lord, and your people are safe. Okay, Even though you're, you're the peanut, everyone's against you, I will protect you. So that's option A. The option B is you just don't believe. All right? And you can just tell me, I don't believe that God's going to do it. But then you're really, all your people are going, really, you don't believe? Come on, Ahaz. Like, you got to believe. And so then they don't trust you. So instead, he gives option C, which wasn't even on the table. And he gives this really false, pious answer. Like, oh, I don't want to test you, God. Never. I wouldn't test you. And so then he kind of protects that, oh, my people still trust me, but then I still don't have to believe. 
You know, maybe, maybe sometimes you just look, and I don't know if this is you or, or I've experienced these things in my own life. Maybe you look for ways out when God says a promise to you and you look for a way like, oh, I'll just choose this thing instead. So let's keep going. Verse 13. Then he said, listen now, O house of David, is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of man? that you will try the patience of my God as well. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread, Aram and Ephraim, they will be forsaken. So, Essentially what Ahaz does, he says, or God, 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 God approaches him and says, hey, I, I want to actually, I want to be with you. You are my people. I will provide for you. You don't have to do anything, but believe in me, I will do it for you. Ahaz says, no, I don't want you to be with me. I want to I try this on my own. And he pushes away. And then God does so beautiful, guys. Instead of, you, you think he's going to say the super judgmental thing, like, really? You don't? Fine. Let him attack. He doesn't do that. He says, how about this? I will actually come down and be with you, even though you think you don't want me with you. I will be with you. And it's not like, it's not like, hey, you don't want it, well, I'm going to do it anyways. It's not that. It's, I know what you need. Like, I know what you need, and so I'm going to insert myself into your place, and I'll, and I'll walk with you in it, even though you don't trust. Even though you don't get it, I'm going to walk there with you. And he builds this bridge between these two mountains that just seem impossible. Like, in the midst of the deepest fear of being overtaken and, and overpowered by these two governments, it's like they're, they're shaking with fear. And God says, I'm going to come and insert myself and be with you. You know, like how many times are we, are we just shaking, longing for, for some type of change to happen and totally leaving God out of the equation? Like he's not actually, he doesn't actually, he does. Like this is what he is intended to do. He is coming to insert himself. The best way for me to, that I can compute this in my mind is actually with my parents my mom specifically, I had a very, I created a very toxic environment as a youth for myself, um, had a good environment at home, but, and it pretty much just kind of led me down a path that was unhealthy, and I pushed God out, and so he was trying to enter in, right, just like with Ahaz, but I was just like, no, I don't really want you there, and it got so bad, like my heart was filled with such anger, bitterness, resentment, specifically towards my parents, and really concentrated with my mom. And so there were, there were times, in, in my family, we don't hide things. Like, things are out on the table. I mean, right? <laughs> so if we, like, if, if there's a dispute, there's no, like, let's talk about it later. Like, it's going to happen right there. And so, like, it doesn't matter who, like, you guys, if we start fighting right now, you guys are all going to hear it. I mean, it's just, and that would happen in, public setting it was it was sloppy right but it was good I mean we a lot of it's a lot of it's 
a, help, a little bit healthy? No? No. I don't know. Ish? It's worked out, yeah. <laughs> look, I, look, I'm in Isaiah today. Look. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. It worked out, yeah. But you see, there was, it got so bad where I remember one day looking at my mom and, and saying, I hate you. I hate you. And she remembers this. And my heart had been filled with so much anger, bitterness that it wasn't like a lie. Like I really did feel hate in my heart towards my own mother. And so my mom's got a, is faced with a response like, what do you do? I mean, like, and some of you as, as mothers can imagine, like, that's probably the worst thing that you can imagine. And so my mom, though, she didn't, like, she didn't approach me and, like, force anything on me. She actually gave me space. She actually, like, stepped back and allowed me to mess up a little bit on my own, um, to figure things out a little bit. But at the in the at, while she was creating space, she was actually still present, like waiting for me. And so it wasn't that she had ever became absent, but she sat waiting. And eventually what happened was, I would say within maybe even a year of me vocalizing that to her, God just transformed my life completely. And within a week, God totally made me a new person. And I sat down with my parents and apologized like that just for everything that I had done and 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 I you know hugged my mom told her I loved her again and it's like she didn't do necessarily anything specific but she remained present I wonder how I wonder if we underestimate the value of presence like what what could it what would it mean for us to just be with people you know like to stop trying to save them to just something special about like sitting at someone's bedside like when they're sick or you know just in the in the muck and the mire of life to not feel like you have to have the answer to a problem you have that means you have freedom to just you don't have to know anything about the gospel other than that God is with you and you need to be with others that's so simple and that gives you so much action in your life to be able to start interacting with people's stories it's just waiting for it. I remember another, this is, was beautiful. At the beginning of Advent, Sarah shared um, about when we were in India, we went to this place called the Home of Hope. This is home for, the dying for, for dying people in India. So these are the rejected of the rejected. And so we would just go, we would, we would, we couldn't, had, we had no communication because there was a huge language barrier. So you can't say a word to people. And if you, I mean, people don't seem like they really want to talk anyways, um, but I was, I was the only guy on the team, so I was on, I was on a whole different um, house with 300 men, and we'd walk around, and we'd clip toenails, and like, shave people, like, really fun stuff, and I mean, a lot of these men were literally like, on the very doorstep of death, I mean, like, you could feel it. And I remember one man specifically, I was walking around clipping guys' nails, and I would just kind of like point, and they would motion, and so I was clipping his nails. I clipped one of his nails too short, started bleeding. It felt horrible. I mean, this guy's in so much pain, clipping it. I mean, it's just like such a small thing, right? But, and so I'm trying to like kind of tend to this wound that I created, 
And I'm just sitting there, and all I can do is hold this man's hand. I'm looking into his eyes, and they're, they're like this yellowish tint. And I, it was like indicative of the hurt in his life, and I could just see it. And he just stared, like, at me. And, I, and it, he, he couldn't even walk. He was just literally laying in dirt. And you could tell he, was, he could have been dazed from death. And I just remembered, like, feeling God's presence so much. This is where you are, God. You are, and yeah, I mean, this is, this is an impoverished man. Like, I see you in him. Like, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to this one. And I see that. But I also just saw him in me sitting with him and him sitting with me and us not having answers. Just, I'm sorry you're here. Like, that's the only thing I felt inside. I was like, I'm sorry you're, you're sitting like this. And all I can do is say that through a handhold. And I just wonder, like, what, like, what would that look like for us to live that? Like, constantly. And it doesn't have to be across the world. It just has to be in the midst of our lives. And, and I would even encourage any parents in the room, like, if you're struggling with your kids, like, your presence is really valuable. You know, like, I think we, even if you think about, like, employment, like, if you're ever hiring someone, the most valuable thing you need in a person is loyalty. It's not, like, it's not competency. Competency, you can learn something. But, like, loyalty, if you don't show up to work, then you're not going to have a job. So the, the loyalty is so important. I just believe, like, even for parents, just be there. You know, be present. Like, part of marriage is just being present. You know, not feeling like you have to have the answers for the other person, but just being there in the midst of it. And I, th- I think that that's what God wants to do with all of us. I don't, I don't think he's primarily concerned with answering your problems or your questions I think he just wants to be with you. And that's so comforting, you know, like just be at peace knowing that. So I want to, four quick things um, for how to be with someone. I would say four things. One, listen first. You know, like me going to these churches, it was like I can't, I'm not telling them the way to fix their ministry. I'm going to learn from them. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Listen, ask questions. In this season, I would especially encourage you to slow down and free up your schedule. Um, I would encourage you to maybe even stop doing church stuff, and that's okay. You know, just because you fill your time with church stuff doesn't mean that you're like a super Christian. So actually having some space to interact with your family, with people who don't know the Lord, like that's okay. You need to be able to spontaneously go out to dinner with someone who needs it rather than like, oh, I have this small group and this thing and this thing, you need to have that space. We need to start focusing on having some conversations over conversions and being able to just sit and listen and have and just have a conversation, not look for an in route, just have a conversation and just, just sit with people in some hard times. And so I would, I would just say, if you're looking for a way to take a- action, it would be asking the question, God, who do you want me to be with? And at the end of this, you see that Jesus, Emmanuel, the one who's promised, it says that he eats curds and honey, which would have been the food of the poor. So what does it look like for you to interact and live in the midst of the poor? What, is, what would it look like for you to enter into the lowest place of humanity and to exist there and to be with those that are there? Like, that's something to consider. So let's read Romans chapter 8. So I want to 
I feel just honestly, I feel like I'm just supposed to proclaim this over you and for you to just receive love today and that it can't, you, you cannot be separated from the love of Jesus. Romans 8, 31 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I want, I want to take a moment right now. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine yourself on a mountain. Like I talked about earlier, that you see something off in the distance, um, but you're on this mountain, and it's really like a desert place, like Josh talked about last week. You're on this desert place, and maybe there's a specific situation or person or trial or tribulation that's there, and it is hopeless. It's not God. It's just you and the problem, and you see off in the distance that there is this glimmer of hope, joy, peace, love, waiting in a distant spot, and it just seems like there's no way. Like There's no way that I could see healing in the midst of this sickness. There's no way that I could experience joy when I am filled with hurt. And you start to, as you're sitting there, you start to see this mountain. It starts to draw close. And then just as it says in, in, in Genesis 1, it, that that dry land begins to appear, and dry land begins to spring up from the earth. And before you know it, you're, you're on a level land. And Jesus walks up to you, and he doesn't, and he, he takes your hand. He doesn't walk back towards the mountain that he came from. He actually walks back into life with you. And where is he going? What spot is he walking to? What, what location is he taking you to and saying, I want to be with you in that? What person is he bringing you to? You can open your eyes. What you see in those moments is so important. I, I encourage you to, to see and, and, and know that God is with you and that the bridge that is built is a bridge of love. And in the midst of being Ahaz and saying, I don't want you here. Get out. I hate you. He says, I will be with you. I will come. And I know right now you don't want it, but I want you. And all you have to do 
is believe. It's so simple. I'm not telling you anything you've never heard. I'm telling you that God wants you, and he wants you, and all you need to do is receive. And so let's open our hands right now and ask, Father, I received your presence. I ask that you would come, be with me, be with these people. I know that I'm in need. God, I'm so sick of acting like I don't need you. I'm so sick of, of, of recognizing that I actually have little to offer. I'm here, God, today to acknowledge that you are present in my time of need and that I can't do it on my own. My mountain is barren. I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm hopeless. I have no joy. And I need your presence to enter in. And as it enters in, it floods and enters every area. It permeates every crevice that you thought couldn't be touched, and it touches it. And their hope springs up, love, peace, and joy, and they all come together. And so, God, that's, that's what we desire. We invite your presence. We say, Emmanuel, Jesus, thank you that you came. Thank you that you came. And I invite you in. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, if the worship team wants to come up and the prayer teams, I would encourage you today to come and get prayer if, you, if, you, if you're desiring it. And I want you to remember that we're not even in the place that Ahaz was. Like Ahaz was longing for something to come. And the truth for all of us is all we're doing is receiving what's already happened. And so... It's, we're, we're talking in past tense today. He has come. He has come. The Advent is here. And so we receive the benefits of that. And we long for his coming again. Yes, the Rodriguez's are going to be here um, for couples prayer. So if you're a couple and want prayer, you can come get prayer right here. All right, if you'll stand with me. God, you've already gone before us. You've already highlighted the things we need. So God, we ask that you would work with them. I implore you today. I know that there I know for a fact that there's somebody in this room today that feels the yearning and that even in this moment you're tempted to walk out the door and to forget about it. And I'm telling you God wants you. He wants you so deeply. He loves you so much that he built a bridge to you. And so I encourage you to respond and say, yes, yes, I've got to have you and I've got to invite you into every single spot. And he is the bridegroom. He is waiting for you. He's knocking at the door of your room saying, I want in. And so today is the day. It's a marriage feast that is coming and we walk with him through the marriage now. And he's not trying to fix you. He's trying to sit with you. So God, today we receive that. You are with us. You are Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen.
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, go before them. In Jesus' name, we thank you so much for today. Amen. If anybody's new and would like to talk to Jordan, he'll be in the lobby. Give it up for Jordan today. <laughs> couples prayer. If you need couples prayer, if you need singles prayer, not to highlight that, but it is what it is. Love you guys. See you at candlelight service, 5 p.m. Saturday. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.